You know what was amazing today? Is if you were in here early, there was some pre-service music, and I thought I was at a gospel concert, you know? It was pretty awesome. Aaron, thanks for that. I really appreciated it. This morning, we did some things a little different in our service, because as, as many of you know from last week, we're doing 21 days of prayer and Bible reading starting today. And so, if you weren't here last week, we're doing 21 days of prayer and Bible reading. Um, there is a sign-up sheet at the Connection Center. There's also, if you go to our Facebook page, there's a way to sign up for that through your email. And we'll be emailing people every day. But also, the reading plan is on version, which is the Bible app on your phone or your iPad. And it's called Word. It's by Doxa, uh, Doxa Deo. Is that how you say it? Okay. I, I might have said it wrong. I'm looking at Aaron. So... Uh, and we're excited to be able to do this together. I can tell you, I probably haven't been ex- this excited about one specific thing in a very long time. This morning, we got together as elders from our church, and we prayed for every name. Everyone that has signed up for this, we prayed over your name. We prayed, one, that you would, that you would, you would finish the 21 days, that you would read together with us. And then secondly, for God to move through these 21 days to show you things about himself that maybe you don't know, you haven't heard before. For some reason, God has not revealed to you yet through his word. And so we prayed over you this morning, and it was exciting because I'm looking at names, and I'm like, oh, I'm realizing that, man, I know something about this person. I'm going to pray for this person. And so so if you had already signed up, we're praying for you, and we're going to do that in the next two Sundays before service. We're going to be praying for you by name and encouraging you as much as possible. And so if you're following along in this series, it's called Binge Reading the Bible, how many of you, when it got really cold two weeks ago, binge watched something? I know I said this last week. How many of you? Gavin did. Okay. Gavin's one person. All right. I know some of you, it was a day off from school, and you probably watched every episode of something. Um, my kids are obsessed with Boss Baby. Have you ever heard of that? It's on Netflix. It's a TV show. It's also, it was a movie. And so they always want to watch Boss Baby, so we watched a lot of that, I think. So when we binge watch something, it's really easy to keep it going. And so right now, we want to binge on the Bible this month for 21 days to create a habit of being in the Word of God. And so we're going to be doing that through both the series, which is on Version. If you go to Version, it's your, the Bible app. On the right-hand side, there's a more. You click on that. You click on event after that. And then you are right in with our notes on Sunday mornings. Today, we're going to be in 2 Chronicles 7. And I want to tell you, Today is a really, really good passage. I mean, this, I, I couldn't have picked a better passage from God's word to talk to us about the response that God has to us when we pray. Sometimes we, we think it's just these things that just go up and they float up to someone up there. And we're going to learn today that God has got very specific promises for when we cry out to his name. So let me pray to get us started. The sermon today, as you see, is hearing from God. Hearing from God, when we hear from God, this is a moment where Solomon's going to hear from God. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and and we're so thankful for your word. We're thankful that that people before us have have made missteps that we don't have to because we read your word and it shows what is right and what is true for our lives. We're, we're, We're thankful. God, that you spoke to Solomon those many thousands of years ago. And that what you said to him is just as applicable to us. It just applies to us as a church, as believers in Jesus Christ. 
Lord, I pray that this morning, if we're closed off to something that God is trying to do in our lives, you would open us up. You would show us what we need to be, what we need to do, that we need to cry out to him. Lord, give us a spirit of repentance, a spirit of humility as a church and as individuals as we go from here to our jobs, to our homes, to our families, back to school. Lord, give us that heart that you ask of us when we call out to your name. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as a parent or a child or a spouse, we have an opportunity every day. And there's this huge opportunity that sometimes we miss. We can hear what someone else is saying, take it to heart. Essentially, it's not just listening, it's, it's hearing, and then do what the other person is saying. I see this most with my kids. I can tell you how many times I have to say something. I, at three is when we get to like, if you don't do this now, this is gonna happen, okay? And there's some people in the room that are kids. Uh, sorry, if you're, you're a kid if you're under 18, so I'm looking at you guys. So if I have to say something three times as a parent, at that point, there's time out, there's something. Something's gonna happen. So I tell my kids, clean up this room. Let's go upstairs for naps. Uh, it's bedtime. Ooh, don't say it's bedtime because then the meltdown happens, right? I can count on having to say it multiple times, but I can also count on another thing. It's not going to be received very well. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, God's got something to tell us through his word, and I want you to receive it well because it's not so easy. It's not, it's not soft. It's not, it's not something that is easy to, to, to say. When I'm not heard as a parent, I give them a choice. So, for example, if I say, eat your dinner, and then you get dessert, if they don't eat their dinner, what happens? Can everyone say it with me? No dessert, right? No dessert. And so, God is giving that to us right now, today, in 2 Chronicles 7. God is very clear in, this, about the, in the Bible about this. And so, our Heavenly Father is going to tell us some hard things that we need to receive and respond to. And we're going to give opportunity for that. And, and I think the thing... that I struggle with. So you notice I said I have to tell my kids things three, four times. Many times God has to tell us things multiple times. So my prayer for this morning has been that you hear it once and you don't need to hear it again right away and you respond to it. So, so we're, gonna, we're gonna get to the very, the very core of what it means to pray and what that looks like. And we have to be obedient to the will of God. So we have 21 days. Do you know 21 days is a really long time? I mean, I'm so ADD, I can't remember what happened the last five minutes. I don't remember the last song, Aaron, sorry. Uh, what, what happened? Okay, it's really easy to forget about what God's doing. So my prayer over our church is, is specifically that we would remember what God has done for us. Remembering, knowing that God has loved us. It was not a mistake or a coincidence this month that we're talking about binge reading the Bible. This is a month associated with love, right? Valentine's Day is this week. And so how do we show we love someone? Anybody? I know this is really awkward. I feel like in a, in a classroom now. What, how do we show? We spend time with them. We do things for them. We buy them gifts. 
A lot more gifts when you're dating. After you're dating, it's like, here's a vacuum. Sorry, sorry, Heidi. <laughs> the gifts get a little bit different. You don't buy a vacuum for your girlfriend, okay? That's a bad sign. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> so if you need to break up anybody, that's why if your boyfriend buys you a vacuum. Loving God requires effort like love in a marriage requires effort. And so loving your kids requires effort. Loving relatives that you really don't want to love because they're mean to you requires effort. So our prayer this next 21 days is that you would fall passionately in love with the God of the universe, with Jesus Christ, the one that is the Savior of the whole world. And maybe that's the first time that you've passionately pursued God, that you've done anything for 21 days regarding God, that you've done anything except for maybe come to church this morning. Last week in Deuteronomy 6, and, and I think this is a very important passage last week, it was Deuteronomy 6, it was known as the Shema in Hebrew, which means to hear or for hearing. And so God was telling us something. And this week, God's going to tell us something again, but he's also going to tell us what he's going to do in response to that. So this week, we're going to kind of pivot a little bit to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 14. We're going to start in verse 14. So if you're in that chapter, there's a lot that happens. So we're going to start in verse 14. And this finds us directly after Solomon built the temple of Israel. He, he built the temple, and, and God appeared to him at night, and he starts speaking to Solomon. And I don't know about you, but there's two things I think about when God's talking to someone. Are you afraid? You know, like if God appeared to us right now, half of us would be so afraid that we'd run out of the room or something might happen. You know, we're potty training my son, so my whole house is full of underwear everywhere that's he's running around. So something's going to happen. You're going to run out of the room or you're going to have something happen that's not good. And so... Solomon here doesn't do that. And I found that very interesting as I read this because he's just listening to God here. And so I think we need to listen to God. I'm going to read verses 14 through 18 to start us off here. If my people, remember if, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open, my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. And as for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules. And then I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted with David, your father, saying, you shall not lack a man to rule Israel. It's good news for Solomon. He's going to be king. If you hear anything this morning, I've got one phrase that we need to, to know. If we turn towards God, he will hear. And I'm not talking about like, He's still on his cell phone, not making eye contact, and says, uh-huh. I'm talking God's looking in you in the eyes, is affirming what you're saying. You ever talk to someone, and they kind of go, uh-huh, yeah, okay. 
When people do that, you think they're listening, right? He's doing everything because he's hearing. It's not just, it's not just static. He, he's hearing what you're saying. And I think God, if you really believe in the God of the universe, he knows what's going on in here just as much as what you're saying. He knows why you're saying it, when you're saying it, what the purpose is. So if we turn towards God, he will hear. When there's no one else there, he will hear. So verse 14 gives us an outline of what we're called to do and what God's going to do in reply. It's honestly really simple. It's humble yourself. Humble ourselves. We as a church need to humble ourselves. Realize that we can't be, be a church without God. It's very simple. There's a, there's a slide for this, I think. So there's, we humble ourselves. Very simple. We humble ourselves And then we pray and seek God. Let me tell you this, something I'm learning. Humility is a response from realizing you can't do it on your own. Humility is realizing that any talent you have, God has gifted you, that you didn't create this talent out of nowhere, that God gave you a gift. And if that's true, aren't you going to talk to the good gift giver, the God of the universe? You're going to pray and seek him. He has all the power. And as we talked about all last month, he's got a bigger vision for your life. He's got a bigger vision for our church. His church. And then it gives us the third one, and this is the hardest one. It's not just about crying out to him. It says, turn and repent of your ways. Turn and repent. The older I get the more I realized the dark depths of my own soul before I met Jesus. I start, I start seeing areas that we can't give over, that we don't want to give up. And this may come across as cynical, but I think anybody can do anything. You ever, you ever hear someone do the, this, this gross crime, this crime that you, you're like, whoa, I can't believe they would ever do that. That's what sin does. It deceives us. It tells us that we couldn't do something, so we don't need to pray to God, so we don't need to go to God. We don't need to turn and repent. We are all predisposed when we're born into this life to selfishness, to sinfulness. And Jesus provided a way that starts with repentance. Now, repentance, I think, is a topic that, or a thing that we we talk a lot about in church, but maybe we don't even understand Repentance is not crying tears when you get caught. Repentance is not saying you're not going to do it again. Repentance is not doing it again. (laughs) It's an active thing. It's not just words on a page. It's a response as a result of understanding that God can do that in you too. He's going to forgive you, and your response is to turn the other direction. Wouldn't it be really weird if I preached like this? Would you guys feel weird? It's turning the other direction. But sometimes we walk around, and that's kind of what it's like. Like, you're like, I'm going to repent. And then you're walking like this, like, God's over here. And you're like, well, uh, what's going on? I lost it. Because you didn't actually turn. You stayed in your own way. And once we do that, though, here's the hope. God promises three things. God return will hear. He will listen to us. He will hear. When you cry out to him, Jesus Christ provided a way of meeting God and speaking with him. 
We can't go before a holy God, but because of Jesus Christ, we can, because he died for us. God will listen to sinners like us because we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and what he sees is his son crying out to him. It's because of Jesus and through Jesus that we can talk to God. When no one's listening, I said this already, I mean, when no one's listening, God still hears you. And the New Testament talks about the groanings of the heart. You ever, have, you ever have so much stress in your life that you feel like your heart's racing? You feel like, like almost, it's almost like a panic attack? In that moment, God is still there saying, I'm here. I'm comforting you. I'm giving you peace. My son died for you. I love you. And sometimes we forget that. He hears you. And then forgive. God forgives. There are times where I've walked up to someone to ask forgiveness and they've said no, just flat out no. It was very quick. It was like, no. I'm like, so what do I do now, God? That's not the promise. The promise is that God forgives us. We've created a culture in our family that we forgive, we embrace, and then we pray for God's forgiveness. And and what's interesting about this with my kids is, of course, they ask the question, why do we pray? And I said, we pray because it's not just about the fact that you hurt me. It's about the fact that, that you, you hurt, like there's the relationship with God here, and you've asked forgiveness. You need to ask forgiveness of him as, as well, because you're hurting his children. Forgiveness is supernatural. Anyone, anyone believe that? I mean, it's supernatural. It's not natural for us to forgive someone else. When someone's wronged you, you make a list in your head. Okay, they stepped on my toe seven years ago. Urgh. Oh, man. They didn't bring the right cranberry sauce to Thanksgiving. Oh, they're off that list. That cousin's never coming again. We make a list. Forgiveness is supernatural. It starts with God forgiving us through the blood of Jesus Christ. He gives us a million chances because forgiveness has infinite depth. Whatever is hanging over your head right now, God is going to forgive you for that. There is nothing that he won't. That should encourage you this morning. Forgive us, God, for thinking the worst of others. Forgive us for judging motives that we don't know. Claiming to know the hearts of someone else when we really don't. I don't know what you're thinking Sunday morning. You guys could all be thinking, like, what are we going to have for lunch? You know? I got to forgive you for that. So I know it's really good. I'm excited for lunch. Pizza with the pastor again. So, And the third thing God gives us is healing. It talks about healing the land because the nation of Israel would have famines and they would need to cry out to God. The reality is, this is a principle all across Scripture that God, when we, when we call out to him, he is a God that heals. Whether it's our hearts. I know people that have prayed for years to be able to forgive and get past something that happened in their childhood and God granted them that. So healing God is healing us daily when we cry out to him, healing us from sin, from abuse, from wrong thoughts. And the biggest thing is, is he's really healing his church. Would we be here this morning if it weren't for Jesus Christ thousands of years ago dying on a cross and people for centuries talking to other people about this faith, this, this, this God-man, this Jesus Christ for years? My body is going to fail me at some point but my soul will last forever. And he's going to heal that. 
The people of Israel were crying out because there was no food. And similarly, we might feel broken at times. We might feel like there's nothing that we can do. We might feel like we're falling short. But God is ready to heal you and to cry out to him. So God makes it clear right after that that he's attentive to us. The idea of attentive. Anybody a teacher in the room? Any teachers? Okay, a few hands. What's it like when your classroom's attentive? Isn't it exciting? You're like, man, everyone's listening today. This is the best day ever. What happens when it's not? It's not fun. I used to teach in a therapeutic day school, which was primarily kids that had been become wards of the state and had mental health issues. And a good day was a day I didn't get a table thrown at me or a, a chair or something, right? That's the standard I had. And so the God of the universe is saying, I'm listening to you. I'm willing to listen to you. I'm attentive to what you're saying. I'm watching you. I know what you need. Just talk to me. That's a great position to be in. He's not throwing chairs at us. There's no tables. He's acknowledging us. He's making eye contact. It's a special type of listening. And God's promises for all of us. I don't know about you, but I don't see any disclaimer like, I've done too much, or you've done too much, so God's not going to do this for you. I don't see that here at all. The place, the place that he was talking about, this place was the physical temple. But as we learn from Paul... Our bodies are a temple. And really, Jesus Christ said, you, you're, you're going to worship wherever you go. You can worship wherever you want. You can worship in your car. You can worship at your house. You can worship at work. Hopefully not singing off-key tunes, okay? Anyone that works at the church, don't sing off-key tunes, please. And that's not Aaron. He's always on, so. We can worship wherever. And the place is here right now. So the place is you and I in the church when we cry out to God, he hears some things. And I, I want you to know that he hears the things that maybe you just don't know how to say. He hears our hurts, our pains, our grief. But then he also hears our praises, our thanksgiving, our joy, the excitement that we have, and our love and our passion for Jesus Christ. He hears that. There's a balance there. And then he... Then he's also, in verse 16, he talks about this, this temple. And if we're united behind the mission of Jesus Christ, that temple that was then, as Paul says, is our body. And if we're united on the missions of Jesus Christ, that is what that is. He's chosen us. He's set us apart. It's not about our name. Have you, have you noticed that, that people talk in the third person when they get really arrogant? Any, anybody watch a celebrity interview recently? Any celebrity interviews where they're like, yeah, you know, like, I'm just the, I'm LeBron, yeah. And I'm like, well, you're LeBron? Isn't that your name? Wait, why are you talking about yourself in the third person? What's going on? You know, LeBron says, I'm like, whoa, is there like an echo in here? What's going on? I'm not, I'm picking on LeBron because he's, everyone knows who he is, hopefully, LeBron James. So, but the reality is, when we don't talk to God and we don't cry out to him, that's how we sound. It'd be like, John says, yeah, John says. I'm talking in the third person to God. John says, instead of saying, God, please, 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 I need help because I can't do this. And then something happens. The Holy Spirit comes into your life when you believe in Jesus Christ and it changes you 
for the entire length of your time on this earth. And I love the end here when, when it says in the passage, God will be with you for all of time. You know, I said earlier about your soul. Your soul is going to be with you for all of time. Your body's going to fail you. If we, if we went around the room, I'm sure everyone in here would have some type of faith or some type of physical ailment or something that's happened to them in their life. Last fall, I kept getting sick, and I didn't know what it was, and some of it got resolved, but it was like, it was like a month and a half of just, ugh, really? Our, our bodies are going to fail us, but he's going to be with us all the time. He's not going to leave you when you cry out in need. Any of us ever been left or abandoned? He's not going to leave you when you need him. He's not, he's not going to hurt you when you need a kind word. God is the one left standing when we pushed everyone away because we're hurting. He's the one still there. I've had a couple experiences in my life where I realized that, that a person had nobody. And they had no hope. And they didn't know who to talk to. And they realized that God was the only one there. He's there when we're hurting. And then verse 17. So we get to verse 17. And God pivots and he talks about to Solomon. But even this is really for all of us. If you walk like David, David was called a man after God's own heart. And I've spent years thinking about that term. He's a man after God's own heart. Because David was a murdering adulterer. And he was a horrible parent. I mean, read, read all about David. But he's a man after God's own heart. It comes back to what was said in verse 14. What happened when David was exposed? When his sin was exposed to the people? The prophet Nathan comes to him, and we have this great psalm, Psalm 51, that was written as Nathan went to David and said, hey, you killed someone, you committed adultery, you need to get right with God. And David responds like this. This is a man after God's heart. And I, I want you to hear everyone to hear this. This is a person. This is a woman, a man after God's own heart. This is what it is. He repented. He humbled himself. And he turned from his ways. Sounds really simple, right? Anyone in this room realize that's very hard? It's really hard. But that's what he did. And when... God spoke through others, he heard, he listened. It wasn't just, it wasn't just I'm, I'm dividing my attention, it was his attention was fully on that person because they had a message from God for him. We need to be like David. When God reveals our sin, we need to cry out to him. God established this covenant with David, and guess what? He sticks to his promises. That's what he's telling Solomon. You know, Solomon was known for being really wise, but he also was known for having a thousand wives. That doesn't sound really wise, right? Anybody? That's impossible. I don't know how he did it. Church, we need to realize and we need to see the God we worship keeps his word. Let's stop doubting his word. Let's just say he keeps his word. Just as much as if the if at the beginning of verse 14 tells us if we call on God we pray, when we pray, this next se section tells us what happens if we don't. You thought that section was hard. That's why I said I just want you to receive it the first time. Because 
I know some of you have stories about your children, or maybe you were that child, where your parents told you again and again not to do something, and you went and did it. And it caused a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. This morning, let's not be that church. Let's be the church that responds right away to what God's doing. And so I I read this second part, and it kind of saddens me, but as you go through life, you realize this is very true, that when we don't do this, when we don't call on him, when we turn him aside, when we give him the cold shoulder, something else happens. So let me start in verse 19, and I'll read through verse 22 if you're following along. So verse 19 says, But if you turn aside and forsake my statutes and my commandments that I've set before you and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will pluck you up from my land that I've given you and this house that I've consecrated for my name. I will cast you out of my sight and I will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And at this house which was exalted, everyone passing by will be astonished and say, why has the Lord done thus to the land and to this house? And then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, he has brought all this disaster on them. Well, that's a mouthful. I think Solomon really liked the first part. And then he got to the second part, and whoa. If you turn away from God, okay, I'm going to give a little experiment. And it's probably happened in high school to you, so I'm just thinking of high school right now. But have you ever walked up to a group of people, and you walk up to them, and they do this, like, mm, pivot, cold shoulder? You ever seen that cold shoulder? You, you turn away from the person because you don't really want to talk to them, and you kind of ignore them. So you start talking this way, like I'm ignoring you guys right now. Just kind of like looking everywhere else. That's what's happening here. They're looking to other things. They're looking to everything else to fulfill them. They give God the cold shoulder. And then this will happen. If we don't follow the rules and the morality that God's given us, if we, if we worship other gods, if you worship your job, you'll lose it. If, if you worship sex, you won't have it. If you worship money, you'll have nothing. If you worship sports, your body will fail you. If you worship power, you'll lose it. If you worship control, no one will want to be around you. These become the other gods that we worship with our time and our resources, and this will happen. God says he will pluck you up. You ever watch Gulliver's Travels? They have this huge giant, right? And there's little people, and they go, he goes like this, and he picks them up, right? That's what I'm just envisioning. God's just going to take you up and move you. Because he's bigger than us, right? He's, he's like the giant. He's, he's huge. He's big. And he's going to drop you off somewhere else. He's going to take us away from his presence. And we will become a proverb, an example of what happens when we turn away from God. An example of the complete and total inability of us to live without God. To live, that's what happens with sin, death, and destruction. And, and with our words, our actions, and our thoughts. People will pass by us. I don't know if you've ever had this happen and go, what happened to them? What is going on? This is weird. What, they look so different. What happened? Why, why did God let this happen? What's going on? You don't want to be a proverb. I'm telling you that. If you've read the Proverbs, you want to be on the wisdom side of the Proverbs, not on the foolish side. And God's saying, hey, you're going to be the example of foolishness here. 
When we're left to our own devices, we breed sin, death, and destruction. And so the answer is simple. Why did that happen? Why, what, what caused this? Verse 22 tells us, because they abandoned God, because they gave him the cold shoulder, because they worshiped everything but him. Because of this, disaster happened. God brought all this disaster. He, caused, he didn't cause it. He just allowed it to happen. Because what does sin do? It pushes people away. Proverbs talk about a harsh word, and so a harsh word does what? It pushes people away. You know, when I was a kid, the moment, the moment my parents raised their voices, I turned down my hearing aid, if you know what I'm saying, okay? They didn't listen as much. What happens when that happens in your life? God's speaking, us, speaking to us today about verse 14 here about calling on his name and repenting because he's there, he's hearing, he's forgiving, and he's healing because there's evidence of God moving in a place when there's repentance. That's the purest evidence because we can come and we can meet and we can, we can talk about the word of God and then we can leave here and nothing has changed. The only difference is that I go to church and I talk to people at church. But if repentance happens, that is when you know God is there. Because what is, what is the scariest thing for every single one of us? Many of you are thinking of something in your head that is something you don't want to share with another soul on this planet. But guess what? God already knows and he's already forgiven you. Just put it before him. Just repent. It's so simple, but so hard. Let me, let me say that again. There is evidence of God moving in a place when you see Repentance. This is 21 days of prayer, and we're starting today. That is our first prayer request. We're going to allow you to do it in service. So you guys that are here, if, you, if, if someone didn't come to service, guess what? I'm still sending you an email, okay? But if you're here, we're going to let you do that in service. We want to kick it off with a bang, you might say. If we turn towards God, he will hear. So I have a question. And I, I've been here seven years and I've thought about this a lot. What are we known for by others? What is, what is Sunlight Community Church known for by others? What are we known for? A club? You know, something that I've, I've heard a lot, and so I'm going to just say it from the pulpit right now, is like having a million pastors, right? Anyone hear that in public? Can I get an amen? Okay. People have been here a long time, right? What are we known for? Church, we need to be known for Repentance for turning from our ways to God's ways, for people going, I knew that kid in high school and now they're an adult and I don't know what happened in their life, but they're so different. I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to their church. I need to go somewhere to figure out what's going on. I need my life figured out. They somehow got their life figured out. That's what we need, church. We need to be known for repentance. I gave you the answer to my question. What should we be known for? It's as simple as that. I'm going to pray, and we've got a short video talking about prayer. We're going to continue our service. If you noticed and you walked in and there's been no announcements, you're five minutes late, and announcements were right at the beginning of service, so don't freak out. So we're doing something a little different today. We're going to have a time together that we're going to pray together. Pastor Aaron's going to come up, and we're going to have some more time of worship at the end of service as a response to what God's doing this morning. So let me pray, and then we're going to have a short video to show you. Heavenly Father, we know that when we see this passage, 
In 2 Chronicles, we see he spoke to Solomon and he said, if, you're, if my people call on my name, what, what if my people pray? What's going to happen? And God, you hear us. You hear us when we really mess up. You hear us when, when we don't want to tell anybody. You hear us when our, when our guard's up. Lord, I pray that this morning would be a moment where we all put our guard down. And we cry out to you because you hear and you forgive. And you can heal us. From the, the, the emotional wounds, the spiritual wounds, the physical that we are struggling with. Lord, help us. Because we're going to cry out to you now. As a church. Because we are the church. And that church is completely founded on your son, Jesus Christ. That paved the way for us to pray this morning. That gave us the opportunity to do that. Lord, we're thankful for your grace. And your mercy each and every day. We say all this in Jesus' name.